This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome to Special Teams, a production of iHeartRadio. Special Teams, the podcast where we take a look back at special teams and specific years of sports and what made those teams so memorable. Jason Smith and Mike Harmon from Fox Sports Radio. We are your genial hosts as we're going to do something special as we're in a time going on where the coronavirus pandemic has shut sports down for a good period of time. We're looking back at some what some special teams did during some years in which there was either no games played or we had big interruptions and there were large swaths of time where there were no games played. Last week, we looked back at the 1981 Major League Baseball strike, which cost Major League Baseball over 50 games for a team, and the 1994 lockout, which there was no World Series. This episode, we look back at the NFL strikes of 1982 and 1987. And if you thought, if you listened to last week's podcast and you thought Major League Baseball, especially in 1981, did some wacky things, well, let me tell you exactly what the 1982 NFL strike was all about. Because, Mike, at, at this point, I was used to it. I mean, I was 11 years old, but I had just seen a baseball strike and I kind of understood, okay, the players wanted something, they wanted to be treated better, and the owners didn't want to treat them well. That's kind of what I thought of when I was 10 years old, not knowing the business aspect of it. Sure. And then the NFL strike comes up and I'm thinking the same thing. The players want to be treated better and the owners don't want to do it for them. So I was always a player's guy during strikes as a kid just because I didn't understand the machinations of everything. So again, I'm here going, okay, now we're not going to have football games because the owners and, and the league doesn't want, don't want the players to have more than what they have right now. Well, sure. And watching television or listening to whatever you were around the house, I mean, it was about the working man. 
right? And that was the theme of a lot of sitcoms uh, when we were growing up was how they were getting screwed by the man. Uh, so it was easy to identify. And here, from the NFL perspective, you, you don't recognize how much revenue is generated on a weekly basis when you're 10 or 11 or 8 years old or, you know, rolling through. You're, you're thinking about, I just want my guys beating the hell out of each other on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. My team to win, Jets, Bears, <laughs> uh, and and that you were just excited for each of those weeks to unfold because we didn't have it multiple days. Uh, I mean, you had some Monday night football action, but you didn't have the rest of the rest of the uh, mechanics that we do now. So, I mean, Sunday really was held to that sacred spot, and you you had no idea what was being fought over because it would always be couched in in big rhetoric of. You know, how you get into larger union strife, whether it's these pro athletes or any other business in America. So in 1982, the players, what they mainly wanted was a bigger percentage of gross revenues, which is what players want all the time. Now, every time you hear a CBA negotiations, hey, you guys have a lot of money. You got to give us more money. And the owners go, what? We don't have any money. We can't do this for you. So even back in 1982, this is what they were fighting about. And same thing for the NFL now, whenever they get into CBA situations, a 57 day strike. What this meant was the NFL season was going to be nine games long. All right, so nine games in the playoffs. Right. But they decided to make a special 16-team playoff tournament. Not, a, not we're going to play this, not playoff teams. No, no. They put in 16 teams, eight from each conference. And this is before expansion. So this is like the NBA where everybody made the playoffs. Division standings were ignored. It didn't matter if you played in the AFC East, the AFC West. Eight teams, the top eight from each conference were seated one through eight, best record to worst, as they wanted to make sure the best teams got in just because over half the season was played. Now, this last part, I understand wanting to put the teams in with the best record because you had some teams sitting at, you know, five and four leading their division. It's okay. You're really not that good, but you know, you, you don't just get in just because you win a division after playing half a season. They wanted to make sure the best 16 teams got in. I don't know that they needed 16 teams. For some reason, they decided 16 was a big number. And so they wound up letting in teams with losing records into the playoffs. But this was their thing. They wanted to get everybody in. So it was a very, very weird situation. So they seeded all the teams one through eight. And one played eight in the first round and two played seven and three played six and four played five. And there's all kinds of games going on in the weekend. It was like a normal NFL week. And I remember watching game after game after game going, boy, this is kind of cool with all these playoff games going on. I'm ready for the NCAA tournament now. <laughs> let's go. Bracketology, 1982 style. There's no question. But what's interesting, though, is I, I think you'd also have people proposing in, in this day and age, can we just uh, simulate those last games of the regular season oh, so we boy. just get to 16? <laughs> hey, but at least they did better than baseball. Everybody had played the same number of damn games. Yeah, oh, well, it's, well, it's, right, a, little easier in, to, it's a little bit easier in football. There's only there's a lot less games going on. <laughs> I know. No, it's a nod to wink yeah. to the yeah. insane effort of trying to do the schedule as it did. You played 104, you played 112. Ah, same thing. Let's go. <laughs> so before we get to the special teams that really stood out here, uh, this is just some things that went on 
during the player strike and some changes that came to the NFL. Now, 80, 82 was the first year sacks became an official statistic in the National Football League. This is why the all-time sack record is meaningless because they just started keeping it in 82, and you had guys that probably had 30, 40 sacks in a season, but doesn't matter because we didn't start keeping it until 1982. Right. So it's kind of meaningless and also, you know, cheapened by the whole Strahan Favre thing. And for How the, dare you? For the first time, many... Uh, East Coast games were in a 4 p.m. Eastern time window. Now, for years and years and years, you and I have woken up and it's always been, we have the early games, we have the late games, but that wasn't always the case. Usually every game at that time was one o'clock local time, regardless as to who was home. So you had, you were, you had a home game, you were one o'clock. If you were on the East coast or West coast, whatever home team you were in, you played at one o'clock. Now you had East coast games late. So you got to see better games later on in the day. And I remember how weird that was seeing, boy, the jets, it's dark out. It's, they got to turn the lights on. The Jets, it's, it's, it's 7 o'clock. The Jets are playing. I don't understand this. And my grandmother was always yelling because I lived with my grandparents. Going, when can I have dinner? My grandfather would go, after the game, there's two more minutes left. That's going to be a half an hour. We'll eat down here. Bring our food down to the basement. And that was the best because I got to eat in the basement and watch the end of Jets games because, you know, they would play at 4 o'clock and, and sometimes go all the way till 7, 7.30, 7.45. And my grandmother's like, Jason's got to get ready for school. He's got to take a bath. He's got to finish his homework. The game will be over soon. Don't worry about He's it. He's got to oh. take a bath. Oh, yeah, He's yeah. He's got to go days. sit in his own filth. Those days. You know, and I don't know why, because all the other times I would take showers. But for some reason on Sunday nights, my grandmother wanted me to take a bath. I don't know why. I'm like, I'll just take <laughs> nice a shower. leisurely bath for yeah, you. <laughs> I just, I'll just go take a shower. No, no, take a bath Sunday. I could shower all the other days, but Sunday was a bath. I don't know why. Sunday was a bad day. I, I really don't get it. So that was kind of a fun little tweak now to the calendar. Can you imagine now playing the way you're playing at one o'clock, no matter what, we're missing all these great games and not being able to move things for TV. So that was the first time that happened. Now, during the strike, they decided to have two all-star games. Right, well, the strike is going on. Two AFC, NFC all-star games. <laughs> and one was in Washington, one was in Los Angeles. Now, not many star players came to play in this in these two games. It was a way for the NFL to say, well, we'll put some kind of football out here, so we'll have an all-star game and people able to play. Uh, one of the stars who played was John Riggins, who went on to be Super Bowl MVP later on, and uh, he actually said during a post-game interview, well, I'll do anything for money. Because, you know, these guys aren't getting paid, and he said, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, you're paying me? Yeah, I'll come. I'll, I'll do anything for money. So th this is what it was like <laughs> at the time. We're trying to Feed a, 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 a football, you know, a, a country that's just starting to become football reliant and football crazy. Let's have a couple of all star games. We can't get good players. Oh, but you'll pay me. A couple of guys will show up at least. Oh, look, here's well, I mean, in the Pro Bowl, the, the winner only got five grand. Well, five grand in 1982. I want to know what they're paying for these all-star games. Well, five grand in 82 has got to be like, you know, 15 grand now. <laughs> Uh, we gotta, we, I gotta calculate that one. <laughs> so while that happened on the field during the strike, I mean, it's, how insane is that during a strike? We're going to have games. Wait, I thought we were striking. No, no, we're going to have games. You know what? You're on too bad off. <laughs> I, I got to stop you. Cause I got the answer. Oh, go ahead. Uh, 
uh, it's worth about $13,300. Oh, I was really close with that. and I'm You were a lot closer than I would have expected. Wow. Good for you. And I am not good at math. That is awesome. No, no, that okay. was fantastic spitballing right there. <laughs> so while the league is trying to figure out things with these two AFC-NFC All-Star games, uh, what did the television stations do? NBC aired CFL games. They nice. aired Canadian Football League games before they decided no one's watching these things, and they just stopped airing them. <laughs> so it's like, oh, so if you were buying into the Montreal Alouettes or the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or the other Rough Riders team or the Edmonton Eskimos or the BC Lions or whoever it was, hey, it's good. and then they just, hey, you know, it's not, we're just not going to air these games anymore. Well, how am I going to see the CFL games? Move to Canada. No more CFL. Uh, now, now you just slap it on another network. <laughs> uh, some stations replayed Super Bowls on Sunday. That doesn't sound familiar at all. Uh, no, not at all. Hey, look, that's been going on with coronavirus, right? We've seen old old Super Bowls on television. Yep. They also aired Division Three football games. Division three, wow, not division University one, Chicago games, division three. <laughs> Here's and the Maroons getting after it <laughs> in, in looking this up. Right. Said, oh, my God, what kind of division three football games did they do? And I, I looked for audio of this and I couldn't find it. Pat Summerall and John Madden. OK, Madden and Summerall <laughs> did play by play of Baldwin Wallace versus Wittenberg. <laughs> oh, we got to put out a bounty for that. B-dub versus Wittenberg. Okay, Summerall and Baldwin Wallace. How do you think that conversation went when Summerall and Madden are going, you know, we're going to take some time off, wait for the strike to end. Oh, no, you're contracted. You're doing Baldwin Wallace Wittenberg. What? We're going where to do what? Division three football. Yeah, not making that trip. I'm calling my agent. Then the agent says, "Uh, it's sort of in your contract. You got to do a game every Sunday so they can send you to division three. Uh, yeah. Um, you know what? I'll, your next contract. I'll, what do you mean? I'm fired. What, I'm, I'm, uh, uh. Guess up the uh, Madden Cruiser. And get after it. <laughs> Guess up and the Miata. Up later. Wait, I can't say murder. She wrote. <laughs> I, 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 I really that that you think about what what stations did to try to figure things out now. Luckily, we live in this era now in 2020 where there's thousands of other things to do. You know, we're not beholden on, well, I got to watch Baldwin Wallace Wittenberg. What's the point spread? I got Wittenberg. Is Wittenberg the college or is Wittenberg the name of the coach? Or is that the quarterback? Or was it Derek Wittenberg? (laughs) Uh, I'll take Wittenberg taking the jumper that Lorenzo Charles dunks. That's what I'm going to have. So that was... What happened during the 82 <laughs> NFL strike? You thought I was lying when I said you like what Major League Baseball did. This is nah. even more insane. Here comes Baldwin Wallace. <laughs> Wallace. Oh, that's not the quarterback. Let me cross that off. Baldwin's not the. Well, here's a handoff. Well, I like the intensity of this kid. He's just about three steps slower than Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> three steps slower. <laughs> Where's that? Uh, so wait for that truck to come. Down. I wonder if Pat Summerall said, "I'm going to say even less words doing this. You, I'm going to say a hundred words during this broadcast. I'll, I'll I'll parse it out till the end of the game, but I'm only going to say a hundred words, and you can't make Just me say it anymore." Everybody, Wittenberg. That's <laughs> first down. Tackle. Wait, wait. Second down. Tackle. Uh, So this is where we were at. But finally, the players came back to play 
and we had the playoffs. Coming up next, we take a look at three of the most special of all of these teams as we steam forward here on special teams, looking back at the infamous 1982 NFL strike. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Continuing on here on special teams are... NFL Strikes Edition, 1982, a 57-day strike is settled. The NFL has a 16-team tournament to determine the playoff teams in which some teams with losing records get in the playoffs. The Detroit Lions actually found a way to sneak into the playoffs. They were only four and five. But three teams specifically made big leaps this year, even though they fell short of the Super Bowl. The first one is the Jets. The Jets had a fantastic year. They finished 6-3. and three. They upset the number one team in the AFC, the Los Angeles Raiders. They make it to the AFC championship game, but of course, lose the Mud Bowl, very famous game, to the Dolphins, 14 to nothing. And for my entire life, I will believe the Jets when they say all week long, that field in Miami was supposed to be covered. Miami had like torrential rain all week long and the Dolphins never covered the football field, which they're supposed to do. 
you're supposed to keep the field nice, but they decided not to cover the field because the Dolphins' hallmark was their great defense. The Jets' hallmark was a high-flying offense. They were deep at running back, deep at wide receiver. They moved the football up and down the field. And it was a mud bowl. You look at the field and you go, oh my goodness, how does the NFL allow this game to happen? So apparently the NFL didn't care that the Dolphins didn't cover the field, so they played this in mud. They could still be playing this game, you know, 30, 40 years later, and the Jets would still have zero points. They didn't come close to scoring a point in this game. Ex-Jet Woody Bennett runs for a touchdown. A.J. Dewey has three interceptions, including one he returns for a touchdown. The Jets were never going to win this game. They're never going to do it. And this is a great team. This was Freeman McNeil leading the NFL in rushing. Mm-hmm. The sack exchange, Wesley Walker. But Richard Todd throws five bleeping interceptions in this game. He was absolutely terrible. But it didn't matter because the Jets couldn't do anything and the Dolphins win and they wind up moving on in the playoffs. But this was my first taste of, oh my goodness, my football team can be good. Because the Jets have been terrible my entire right. life. But now, oh sure. my goodness, the Jets are good. They're almost in the Super Bowl. And so now I'm like, now I'm, I'm hook, line, and sinker in on the Jets for the rest of my life, which, you know, in retrospect, was probably not the best thing for me. Uh, this is also a great reminder of how different the NFL is now than it was in 1982, because there's no chance in hell this is ever allowed, unless you're going to try to go play a game in Mexico. Hi. Uh, <laughs> where the field is a quagmire. I mean, you, you still have some rules and regulations to the way they do that. I mean, look, they, I, I like the, the bravado of we're going to do these international competitions, but you got to make sure that the field is actually playable, right? I mean, they, they did not do their due diligence and had to come back to stateside. But whenever you see, and, and a lot of these stadium, you know, stadia, there's still problems because if the building is old, drainage isn't as great, but you you still have the effort yes. at some level of management, oh. right? Whereas here it was, eh, whatever. I know, that's the where the NFL was, man. So the Dolphins no win. good, man. I'm sorry. I know. It really upsets me. Still not me. your fault. Dolphins wind up going to the Super Bowl this year. Hey, hooray, the Dolphins. Went. Um, meanwhile, another special team was the Green Bay Packers who made the playoffs for the first time since Vince Lombardi was their head coach in 1972. Now, this team was fun because this Packers team, they were always a team that was on late, and it was, uh, I felt like the Packers were always down three or seven late in the game. All they did was throw the football, right? This was Lynn Dickey at quarterback, John Jefferson, James Lofton, Paul Coffin was the tight end, and all they did was throw the football. I mean, you're talking about Hall of Fame caliber wide receivers and Lawton and Jefferson was so good with both the Packers and the San Diego Chargers. But this Packers team suddenly, hey, all they did was was go up and down the field. And they were so much fun. And it was, boy, look at look at Green Bay. Look, look at Sunday. Hey, it's 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 seeing one of those great heritage teams be good again after not being good for a long time. And the Packers making the playoffs is a really big deal. They wind up losing the second game they play. They beat St. Louis. They lose to the Cowboys. Boys 37-26, but this was, eh, man, you know, the Packers are a lot of fun. Let, let's let's spend some time going back and seeing a team that built the NFL, you know, 12 or 13 years ago. Well, you got Eddie Lee Ivory. Mm-hmm. Harlan Huckleby. Rusher. Oh, yeah. Harlan Huckleby getting a couple of attempts in there. You just wanted to say Harlan Huckleby. Well, because I, if, really I, re- that came if I remember right, Brent Musburger would, oh, I think it was Brent Musburger who would always say Huckleberry. And they would call him, he would call Harlan Huckleberry because we'd try to say Huckleby, but we'd call him Huckleberry. 
I'm pretty sure it was Brent Musburger. I'm pretty I'm sure. I'm going to have to go <laughs> and Huckleberry. You are looking live at Harlan Huckleberry. At Lambeau Field. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I'll be your Huckleberry. <laughs> you don't have to double dare me. Start going into all my Toby Keith discography uh, as we go. But James Lofton, one of those guys, an underappreciated receiver. I think Packers had a couple of those, right? Because Sterling Sharp. I mean, we know Shannon through his work at, you know, in the media and obviously a Hall of Fame career. But Sterling Sharp was a beast for them later on uh, in the decade. But James James Lofton was is is a guy that you know both as a player and then as a commentator. I, I just listen, eat up every word that guy's got. He and John Jefferson together on that mm-hmm. squad. Oh, John Jefferson uh, as was a so Bears good. fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a Bears fan, you know, I had an early hatred of them. Yeah, but you appreciated. You know the skill level of the guys that they were running again and against, and you know obviously Lynn Dickey being one of those legends. I actually have a helmet that's signed by a bunch of old time greats, and Lynn Dickey's on there. Oh, nice. Well, and remember Lofton too. You know, at the end of his career, was one of the most important players of the Buffalo Bills, the teams that, yeah. that went to a bunch of Super Bowls. Like he was the he was there, one of their big stars on the team that wound up going to the Super Bowl, losing the famous game to the Giants in nineteen ninety one. I mean, this is this is ten years later, and James Lofton is 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 still a really big player in the NFL at wide receiver. I mean, this team started out; they were loaded. They were a lot of fun. Although I got to say, not as much fun as the San Diego Chargers. This year turned out to be the last playoff appearance for Dan Fouts, Charlie Joyner, and Kellen Winslow. Now, for my money, these Chargers, I mean, I I know that I was young watching them, but they were the best team to never win the Super Bowl. They were so loaded on offense for so long. Wes Chandler was all pro this year. James Brooks at running back, you know, they had had John Jefferson already. It was just their defense was never good enough. And they thought we're going to keep throwing the football and outscore you. And they lost in that, that AFC championship game to the Bengals when it was minus 50 degrees out. And, and, you know, they couldn't do, do their thing there. There, and it was always, boy, they were so talented. They never had the defense, and it was the beginning of the teams that you would say they can't win in the cold. They can't go on the road and win in the playoffs. They have to be able to play at home when the weather is nice and they can throw the football up and down the field. That was like the first time you heard of teams that, okay, they're a weather-specific team. When the weather's nice, they're great, but you go on the road, it's tough. Because later on when Dan Marino became quarterback of the Dolphins, that was the big thing. Oh, you want to get the Dolphins on the road late in the season? and it's tougher to throw the football around. And really, that's kind of a misnomer now, but that was the beginning of that thought process back then. Well, what's really funny, though, is that Dan Marino was a big uh, endorser and uh, distributor of isotoner gloves, yet couldn't throw the ball and had some issues Mm. (laughs) in cold weather. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, hey, it's kind of funny the way that all works together. I never did find a pair. I want to get a a pair from one of the linemen that he gave them to. I think you uh, can get isotoners on eBay. I think you can get a pair of those. No, no, no. But I want a pair that was given to one of his teammates. Oh, oh, well, that's going to be tough to find. As part of the endorsements. That's what I want. I remember his commercial was watch what you can do the isotoners, and he would pick up a key. Like they were sitting yes. on the table because that was the thing. You would have gloves on, and it was so hard to pick up tiny objects. It was like where, but isotoners were so next level. Oh, they're just tight gloves, and you look, you could pick up a key, and it was wow, you could pick up a key with that. Look oh my that. goodness, wow, look at those isotoners. They weren't big bulky mittens, mm-hmm. but uh, getting back to what what that Charger team was, man. You know, Kellen Winslow. 
uh, what, what's the word we use? Mercurial is how we describe <laughs> players in the media. Uh, that's him. Uh, Charlie Joyner, another underrated guy, I think, in the annals of receiver history. And, and Dan Fouts and just winging the ball around. I mean, they, they were always fun to watch in one of those late games, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the afternoon windows as that stuff started to, to come into into the forefront of things. I mean, that they were always just fun to watch because it was a different style of football than you were used to watching as, as a Bears fan. And you appreciated the brilliance of, of Walter Payton and being a one-man gang oftentimes, him and whomever the fullback was at the moment. But to watch a passing attack, and I've still been watching this, and I go back and watch 82 tape uh, and say that I've still only had two or three seasons in my Bears fandom uh, (laughs) where I had any semblance of a downfield passing game. So I still look back fondly on those 82 Chargers. You know, and just real quick on that Green Bay game, I told you they lost to Dallas. Uh, Dallas makes it to the NFC Championship game, and Green Bay falls just short. You thought Green Bay was going to be great. They didn't make the playoffs again until 1993. And for the Cowboys, who would lose to the Redskins in the NFC title game, it was the last win in Tom Landry's career in the playoffs. In fact, it would be their last playoff win until 1991. So you had a team, that, you know, the Steelers and the Cowboys were the teams of the 70s. You said, okay, you're coming. Right. The 80s, and it was no, that's it for the Cowboys. You're done. 82, that's it. You're going to go nine more years before you make the playoffs. And this is when you, you have to wait a while until Aikman and Irvin and, and Emmett Smith wind up getting drafted. And that was a big guff of emptiness for the Dallas Cowboys in the 80s. Uh, so, but I'm going to end something fun for you, buddy, because I know you relived a whole like two decades worth of sucking there in the la- in the last couple minutes. Um, well, I mean, Emory Moorhead too was the leading receiver for the Bears. Oh yeah, Emory Moorhead, 363 yards. Uh, so the, the Redskins win the Super Bowl. This is John Riggins in the big fourth and one run to the end zone. You've seen in NFL films a hundred times. They win mm-hmm. the Super Bowl over the Dolphins, and and you know the NFL gets back to normal the next year. But to end in a fun way for you. Buddy, because 1982, even though it wasn't a great year for the Bears, actually did turn out to be a great year for the Bears. After the 1981 season, the Chicago Bears fired head coach Neil Armstrong. I mean, he yes, lands on the moon in 1969 and gets fired in 1981. So it's a tough run. But it was Neil with two L's, Neil Armstrong. And he is hired to replace him, Mike Ditka whose first year with the Bears didn't go great, but of course then within three years built the Bears into one of the most famous Super Bowl champions of all time. So see, buddy, it ended fine for you. It did. Uh, We we get into the offseason. Ditka and his permanent uh, came to town. I may have uh, emulated that and started chewing my gum really fast. You don't need to talk like that. You can still talk normal. You don't got to talk. You got to talk like you're trying to do half Sipowitz and half normal Mike Harmon voice. No, but if if you're going to talk about Ditka, then you have to speak and the reverence often portrayed in talking about Mike Ditka. And just for that, I might have to ship you in a couple of beef sandwiches. So that was the 1982 NFL strike. Told you it was insane. Uh, Coming up next... The 1987 NFL strike. Now, it wasn't nearly as long, but yeah, we got some stuff for you. You got to (laughs) hear. This is Special Teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. So now we head to 1987 as we take a look back at some of the years in which sports was interrupted and there were no games. As we get to the 1987 NFL strike where players wanted a better free agent policy, which is why they went on strike. But in the end, only one week of games got canceled. For three weeks during this strike, the NFL did games with replacement teams and scab players. I know everybody who's ever seen the movie The Replacements, that's what this is based on because in the NFL didn't want to have missed games. They were mad at the players, so they said, hey, anybody who wants to come be scab players and cross the picket line and come play, we'll have our doors open for you. And plenty of owners put pressure on star players to say, listen, I'm paying you a lot of money. I need you to come play football. And one of the reasons why the strike didn't go very long is because every team had players cross the picket lines. Now, some of them, I can't believe some of them who did it because you had Steve Largent cross the picket line, Mark Gassano of the Jets crossed the picket line, and his relationship with the Jets was never the same. Joe Montana crossed the picket line. You think about, boy, Joe Montana. Yeah, Joe Montana crossed the picket line. Many players were pissed at these players because, hey, we're striking for something and you're going into play. Some players would stand outside the stadiums on days of games and practices and try to stop players from going in being scab workers to go on and, and, and practice. They wanted them to not do that and show some solidarity. But these were players mostly who were saying, I'm never going to get a chance to play in the NFL again, but you want me to play here? I'll get to go put on a uniform and get paid for a couple of weeks? Sure, I'll go play. I'm not surprised at the players who took that chance. I am stunned at all the star players and all the big players, different teams who wound up crossing the picket line. Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of it, it goes back to people that are at the peak of their career wondering if a lost year is is that huge. Uh, you and I have talked a lot during 
the pandemic and other labor questions and sports and and others about leverage, right? And who's got it and and where people might be leveraged to a point where they can't stay out and and stay away from from the game. Because remember, it's not only just their playing contract. A lot of these guys, when you start talking about names like Montana and and these others, I mean, there's also endorsement deals and others that are, you know, contingent upon you being you, not you standing with a, a sign outside a stadium. Well, this is the one time, too, where where after this, it was every player in every sport realized, okay, if we're going to strike and get anything, everybody's got to stay out. Nobody can cross yeah. the picket line because that crushed the strike. You had star players coming coming over to play, and it was, okay, we're still playing games. We're not getting anywhere. Let's all go back to play. I mean, it was, it was a really big deal to have play. I mean, and, and I can't imagine that some of these guys actually went back into the locker rooms and had great relationships with their teammates. And he, like I said, these are star players, right? Mark Gasnell was the best defensive lineman. Sorry, Howie Long. He's the best defensive lineman in, in, in the AFC. Joe Montana when, was going to go down as the at worst, the second or third best quarterback of all time. You know, Largent, one of the top wide receivers ever to play this game. It was it really surprised me, you know, especially in retrospect, that these guys all said, "Yep, I gotta go and I I, I gotta keep getting paid, or I owe it to the owners." Because that's what I remember mostly is that the owners really pressured the players, saying, "I'm paying you, and I need you to do a lot for. I need you to do this. You owe me." And I remember that was the whole big thing with Mark Gasano and 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 Leon Hess, who was the owner team. Was there was a big meeting saying, "Hey, I made you. I'm paying you a lot of cash." here and I need you to show me the way and try to do it and the owners knew they could break the players and that's exactly what happened and so we didn't get you know hardly any missed time they wound up moving the schedule a little bit so there's only one missed game so it didn't really affect the season all that much uh, before we get to some special teams from this year, uh, one other player who crossed the picket line to go play was a guy who was painting houses at that time he was a quarterback <laughs> And they asked him, hey, do you want to come play and be a backup, maybe get in some games? And so Sean Payton said yes, and he went to play quarterback for the Bears. That Sean Payton Bears. played yeah. for the Bears during the strike in 1987. Uh, the team it hurt the most who was supposed to do pretty special teams were the New York Giants. Now, remember, the Giants were the defending Super Bowl champions, right? They were they had won in 86. It was Phil Simms, 22 out of 25 against the Broncos. Phil McConkie catching the big tip pass. And the Giants were supposed to be a pretty good team. However, because they counted all the strike games in the final standings, the Giants didn't put together a good team. And that was what a lot of what well, that's what some teams decided was screw it. We're not going to put together a good team. Are these games even really going to count? The owners were just hoping they would use these games to get the players to come back and play. Some teams went to the wall and put together as good a team as they possibly could. Some just didn't care. The Giants were one of those teams. And as a result, they lost all three strike games. So they didn't make the playoffs. They finished in last place in the NFC East, and they couldn't defend their Super Bowl title. So it's kind of weird that they decided to count the games, but they did. And because of that, 
the Giants finished six and nine, where had they won two of those games and won one more, they would have made the playoffs because you had the Vikings getting in at eight and seven that year as the five seed overall in the NFC. So that just absolutely crushed the New York Giants that year. Uh, so your teams in the playoffs in the AFC East, the division champions were the Indianapolis Colts. Cleveland Browns win the Central. Broncos win the West. Your wild card teams are the Houston Oilers and the Seattle Seahawks. In the Cleveland NFC, Browns. I mean, the Cleveland Cleveland and Indianapolis. I mean, back then, Indianapolis was really Indianapolis. They weren't even any good in Tecmo Bowl. I mean, this is a bad AFC East, but this Colts team wasn't really that good. You're, you know, your quarterbacks, when you were playing the regular season, were Jack Trudeau, Gary Hogaboom, and Sean Salisbury. I mean, but you had Eric Dickerson, which is a big deal, him coming over from the Rams, and we have a, you know, one of the best running backs in the NFL, and, you know, they really wanted to ride him. But this was not a great Colts team, but they drafted Cornelius Bennett, who went on to a great yeah. career. With the Buffalo Bills, but this is the, <laughs> this is the Colts having a moment in the sun here, finishing nine and six and and going to the playoffs in the AFC. In the NFC, you had the 49ers, who were great, thirteen and two. The Bears win the NFC Central. Right? The Redskins win the NFC East, and your wild cards are the Vikings and the Saints. The Saints finishing 12-3, and three. and this was a loaded playoff in the NFC this year because here are the Bears who are still living off the 85 Bears. You know, okay, maybe they'll do it in 86, but now here they are in 87. Their run is coming to an end, but still division champions back in 1987. All those years ago. Man, very interesting way this this shook out. Uh, the Bears over the pa- uh, Vikings in the second place uh, back when they were still in a division with the Buccaneers. Mm. And think about that: the Buccaneers were in the Central, so and they were creamsicles. <laughs> they lose to the Redskins for the second straight year in the playoffs. The Redskins go to the Super Bowl this year, where they face the Denver Broncos. Now, this is the year in which you've seen plenty of times Timmy Smith running crazy, the Broncos scoring 35 points in the second quarter of the Super Bowl. They dismantle the Broncos 42-10. The Broncos had led this game 10-0 at one point. Um, But Washington wins the Super Bowl, and this is why they were special. Not just because they wound up winning the NFC East, winning the Super Bowl, was they did it the really smart way, was when they struck this year when 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 the NFL team struck the Redskins signed a bunch of players who were all just familiar with Joe Gibbs's system Washington and Philadelphia were the only teams without anyone crossing the picket line. So the Redskins played all three of their games without any regular players, but they signed players who were familiar with Gibbs' system just in case if the games count. This was a smart way to do it unlike some other teams who did it. So they went all three of their games in the strike season and went, went with the replacement players, including they beat the Cowboys, who had a lot of stars playing by that point. By the second, third week of the strike, players are crossing the picket line like crazy. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to come back. The Cowboys had a lot of their players playing, and the Redskins still won that game. They win the NFC East by four games over the Cowboys, and they go on to win the Super Bowl. This was Doug Williams. It was it was a shocking moment. It was a great moment in, in, in sports history because here was a team every Everybody thought was going to win the Super Bowl in the Broncos with John Elway. And here was Joe Gibbs and Doug Williams, who had knocked around the league for a long time. And, and, and Timmy Smith is an unknown running back. And the Redskins just absolutely blitzed them in the Super Bowl to win. But you look back and what really made the season for him? Well, hey, winning those three strike games and they go on and they win the NFC East to win the Super Bowl. Timmy Smith, who had 126 rushing yards. 
uh, in the regular season. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you look at the, the way it shakes out. One of the great storylines in, in the background was just how putting these teams together. Uh, I found some old quotes from your buddy Gil Brandt. Oh, boy, yes, um, Gil Brandt loves me. He's still waiting for you to tell him about the system. I'm sure in he terms is. Of draft analysis. Yeah, my you better system. get on that. My system. Uh, and how you rank players. Mm-hmm. But uh, you talked about how the players had considered themselves a bit of a cult. And they'd get together and in one circumstance bought a used car for 500 bucks between them. So they had transportation and they were self-reliant and everything just trying to keep them together. But this was a line that I thought was pretty interesting. It was refreshing. There were so many interesting, refreshing things that happened that year just because it wasn't business as normal. Right. You had a bunch of different talent evaluation trying to get guys back together. I think by the, they said by the end, they'd already had nearly 20 percent of players had crossed. So it fractured, especially when you had all those big names. So certainly not your normal way to to get through a season. And, and what's funny is, as we've done these podcasts between the baseball strikes and the two football stoppages here that each one to try to navigate it. You had to have some really interesting meetings between the owners, players, and then certainly within the, the owners to try to fit and the commissioner to try to figure out a structure. So there it is. There is your 1987 strike season. And you want to finish with an uptick note here in 1987 during this, the Buffalo bills finished seven and eight. Now they were doormats for a long time. Like they were great with OJ Simpson, in the seventies. And then the bills, they still had some pretty good players. Joe Ferguson was a good quarterback and Joe Cribs was fantastic, but you know, Buffalo certainly had their, had their down uh, periods. But in 1987, they decided we're going to make a change at head coach and Marv Levy comes in his first year as Buffalo Bills head coach. The Bills finished seven and eight. Okay, not bad because they were four and 12 the year before that and two and 14 the two years before that. Right. Uh, both years before that. So they go two and 14, two and 14, four and 12. Hey, here comes Marv Levy and he's seven and eight after taking over his first full year in 1987. Well, this is when the Bills go and they win the AFC East. They win the AFC East again. They win it again. They win it again. Then they're a wild card. Then they win it again. Then they win it. I mean, this was an incredible run, which involved four straight Super Bowls for the Buffalo Bills, but this really started the next era in the AFC. Marv Levy comes in. It takes him a season and a half to get things going, and then suddenly here are the Bills. This is in 88. The Bills went 12-4, and four, and suddenly they're a big power now in the AFC. So the birth of the Bills closing out. 1987. Uh, Jason Smith, Mike Harmon, we are your hosts here on Special Teams. You have an idea for a future Special Teams episode, hit us up on Twitter at How About a Fresca. Mike is at Swollen Dome. We will have a new episode next week for you. In the meantime, catch us Monday through Friday on Fox Sports Radio, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. on the East Coast, 7 to 11 on the West Coast. Have a great week. Before you go, rate and review the show, whether you're listening on iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio apps, Apple, whatever it is. Give us a rate. Tell us you like it. We will love you forever and ever and ever.
Special Teams is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.